Welcome into Celtics Late Night. Ben Vallis here alongside me, Jake Eisenberg. What's up, Jake? Boy, did God. that suck. God <laughs> damn it. I was expecting such a longer intro from you there. You're just like, fuck it. No. Let's throw no. it to Jake. Who cares, yep. dude? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, those assholes. Yep. Those sons of bitches. Really, <laughs> really did that to us in front of everybody. Uh, it's just like, just do it on a, on a night or a game that no one cares about, you know, or is watching or like not Celtics Lakers, not national TV. Um, yeah. But the, a game that doesn't have historical significance, right? And don't so, tell me it doesn't because it does. It's just so annoying, dude. It's just so annoying. Like even lo- like this is so much worse than losing to... The, the the Lakers with LeBron and AD in just like a, mm-hmm. a normal game. This just makes you so angry. There's a special feeling you get when you're losing a game. You know that if you play this game 10 times, you win it nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, yeah. And That's- we're going to get to why and all that kind of shit. Like, I'm not concerned long term, but like there's a special kind of pain that you feel when you know that it's bullshit and it's bullshit. Like you can play, you play someone in like one-on-one or something and they're so much worse than you. They start throwing shit up, it's going in and it sucks. And you're like, I'm better than you, but. Yep. Eric Weiss with a a good comment in the chat. Got bad news. I think it's going to be like this until the all-star break. These guys look cooked from the marathon January. Yeah, that's reasonable. It's bad, but it's like not. Uh, well, it is also unwelcome news. I was going to say it's not unwelcome, but it's it's not unexpected or unreasonable um, uh, as a take because, yeah, uh, what we said, they played 15 games in 26 nights. This was their fourth game in six nights alone, yeah, not making excuses yeah. like these guys that came out and yeah, shut the bed yeah. thoroughly. But, yeah, um, like they just lost in the most fucked up way possible. LeBron and AD both out gloating on the bench. Like the start of the game, mm. LeBron's beanie and hood were like well down, like Assassin's Creed level of like shadowing his face. And by the end of the game, his face was out and bright and happy and he was having a good time um, chortling with uh, the Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell and um, other dickheads. <laughs> um, the other Lakers, they came out, they shot 53% from three, led by... Um, um, aforementioned Austin Reeves. Dilo had 14 assists. Jackson Hayes has oh a double-double. Jackson Hayes, who we were looking at in the first minute of the game as barbecue chicken from yeah, a mismatch yes. perspective. Um, nice. All that said, the Celtics, they just did not show up for this game. I think we should do the blame rankings. We had success oh. with the trust rankings with Jay King on the show <laughs> the other day. We should do the blame rankings. Let's talk about about some news around the league and let's just get out of here. Um, But stick around to the end, folks, because I've got (laughs) some good news as to why the amazing Celtics vibes are going to be back in your life in just a few short days' time. Yeah, Um, we we got some good. There's some alternate Celtics topics, you know, some trade stuff. I literally literally have in my notes Celtics schedule, 14-game winning streak, question mark. Um, (laughs) Cross that out. (laughs) From before the game started. Because we had two and we got an easy schedule. But uh, yeah, that's not obviously happening. But go ahead, Ben. Blame rankings. Uh, Yeah, I'm happy to start. Yeah. AD and LeBron out. The Celtics, they think they've already won the game. This this is the Occam's Rozier take, right? Like the simplest explanation is almost always the the most likely one or I butchered that, but you know what I mean? And these guys, we've seen them pull up short when it comes to, you know, playing down to opponents in the past before. And, you know, what what lesser opponent than the like barely, I think now they're a 500 team, but previously below 500 Lakers without really their two only decent players from like a like a tipping the scales on winning a game standpoint at least we thought the Celtics come out with like okay this is this wins in the bag like this win is we're entitled to it and basically the antithesis is of everything that Joe Mazzulla has said post game recently um, I think that's number one on the blame pie I think not to make excuses that I'm not they did come out and shit the bed like I said but that's like that's why they came out and shut the bed yeah, the whole just the whole to not to get too philosophical right off the bat here, but no, d- please the, the whole <laughs> the whole like everybody hates to hear excuses. I I don't understand it quite. Like like fuck, can't make excuses. That's just how life works. Though. Like there are factors yeah. that exist in the universe that preclude you or aid you in your quest for whatever it may be, whether it's. Mm-hmm 
putting the orange ball in a basket more than the team wearing different colored clothing than you or, you know, anything in your life. There can be weather, traffic, you didn't get up, you slept in, you watched too many episodes on Netflix last night, now you're, now you're feeling like a piece of shit the next day. Uh, yeah, whatever the Celtics did last night, their sleep hygiene, whatever it may have been, but yeah, it's absolutely, as soon as the fucking announcement came out that AD and LeBron were out, we all should have bet the house on this on the Lakers. It's just it's unfortunate that, and it's not a Celtics thing. This happens around the league. It's the Doc Rivers theory or the hypothesis mm-hmm. is that as soon as that happens, your team just human nature completely lets their foot off the gas pedal, and it happens. Everywhere. I mean, like the Bucks lost to the Blazers last night. Like it, um, to a, fu- a fully healthy Bucks team too, mind you. Yeah. Like so, okay, so did the Pistons recently as well. Yeah. So like these, these things, these things definitely happen. But uh, we all have PTSD. And well, yeah. And and none of those uh, aforementioned matchups have the same historic rivalry that we have with the Lakers. And while AD and LeBron weren't playing, they were right there. They were right there sitting, watching it all unfold. Like we we should have had the motivation to beat them still in front of them. Still, I was saying on the playback how LeBron James back in his heat days against the Charlotte Hornets had that dunk where as he went up to dunk the ball, he was like actually looking at and making eye contact with LeBron James. Tatum should have been doing that until LeBron James. Sorry, Michael Jordan. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, which that? He's looking at LeBron James in the crowd. Uh, wow. I'm, I'm all out of sorts, man. Listen, <laughs> the Lakers like that. My brain's not going to function probably for days now. Uh, but Tatum should have absolutely had the opportunity to do the same while pointing at LeBron James uh, on the Lakers bench uh, tonight. Uh, alas, it, that was never in question at all because of how poorly the Celtics were playing. Uh, what would you say is ranked number two oh in, the, in the blame rankings? God. Uh, I think it's just off the jump the turnovers. Uh, actually, no, I'm 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 doing the transition defense in the third quarter because this mm-hmm. to start the third quarter because this was maybe the most infuriating part of the game for me was they come out it's a ten point lead in the in the third quarter after the first half which just reminded me that of the three pointer that Austin Reeves hit over uh, um, Peyton Pritchard PG. yeah like to cut it. We had cut it to seven. You're like, okay. Oh, you're back. Uh, You're back. I'm back. (laughs) Fuck. I also just have internet issues today, just adding to the fury of my soul. I know. It's Um, not been a good day. (laughs) No. Um, So, like, they they almost cut it to seven, and then that pushes it back out. But it's like, okay, we're right there. We can cut this thing. We can can get back in it. And then offensively, the first few possessions were good, but it's like off of – layups and made buckets right down the other end there's just no celtics and it is layup 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 and the the lakers make their first three field goals off just like two transition buckets and and like that right there felt like the game it was like you could you you could have just come out you were scoring you need three stops and you would have it would have been a four point game and mm-hmm. now and now the comeback they were basically the game is just a game now. But no, yeah, the lead gets pushed out to 10, 12. The, the, the Lakers keep hitting shots. And um, I'd say, so my dad's figured out how to watch the YouTube live. This is nice. huge. Mr. Eisenberg, we welcome. We welcome to the show. Um, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Put, putting, putting in a much better effort than the Celtics did. His battle with technology and <laughs> um, equally, um, equally triumphant uh, relative to the Celtics trying to play down to their competition, unfortunately. But yeah. We we seem to have trouble like with the Lakers screens tonight. Like they were setting some meaty, beefy screens and getting a lot of space off of them. And it just it seemed like you know we've got good screen navigation personnel in Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, the Jays to a slightly lesser degree. Like we we you know and switching our switching defense has always been like quite fluid. Uh, Drew Holiday. I mean, like where do you stop naming the the uh, competent defenders on this team? And we just we had so much trouble with the screens that the Lakers were setting in this game and it's just so not typical uh, of this team's character um, but it, it's hard to know if that sort of if it began with that um, as far as the troubles with this game I don't think it did um, which is why it's not at the top of my blame rankings but um, they were getting an unusual amount of space and advantage off of their screens I thought in this game yeah I thought Drew struggled defensively offensively he sometimes just feels like he has no hands like 
Uh, I don't know how. And again, and he has some kind of box score of voodoo magic because in the first quarter, <laughs> he he had six assists apparently and like three rebounds and all, it kind of pointed to him actually playing well and like not having any turnovers when like, yeah, he had two turnovers in the first quarter. I'm like, okay, he wasn't able to avoid the ire of the box score in this situation. But yeah, he, I thought, was was kind of a disaster, which is why when we did the trust rankings yesterday, he is absolutely sixth on my list because it just feels like he just loses his mind at times. But um, I can't put Drew uh, next on my list. It's got to be Jalen, man. Uh, and I wanted to come out here and be like, Jalen Brown – Three-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA, 27 years old, entering his prime, superstar wing. Thank you, Danny Ainge, which I still feel that way. But I also am very upset. And I think Jalen may have played his worst game uh, of the season tonight. It was absolute disaster. I will say, lucky for me, I bet on Jalen to score six points in the first quarter, and he somehow did that. And ended the, <laughs> That's and about ended all he the, did. Yeah, so I got to shout him out for that. Um, but he ended the game with eight points. So that's just... Uh, the fact that he only took 12 shots uh, speaks to the fact that he got benched in the, in the third quarter. And mm-hmm. Joe, I don't, I don't think there's, I mean, people always get me mad at Joe when they lose because uh, that's the easiest thing to do as a fan is to blame the coach. And he tried, dude. He, he I will we'll get to Joe maybe in a bit, but he tried. He benched Jalen and Porzingis because they're playing like dog shit. Yeah. Yeah. From the jump, they were playing like dog shit. And you think, okay, give him a chance. I'm not going to bench him to start the third quarter. But they came out and were a disaster again. He benched, which is why Jalen only has 27 minutes played in this game because it was awful on both ends. You talk about these screens. He's been one of the best wing defenders in the NBA. He has been playing the best defense of his career. He he looked like freaking Damian Lillard dying on some of these screens out of there today. It was so, so bad. I died a little with every failed oh, screen. A navigation attempt as well. Um, yeah, man. The cookies back in the jar, the cream back in the carton, pop it back yeah. in the fridge. Jeez, it was don't need it. <laughs> moldy. We, we pulled yeah. it out and we... Yeah, the cream we, cream curdled. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, did, we did not check the best the use-by date on the cookies and cream tonight. Jesus. <laughs> we did not. Food poisoning. Um, I um, would add the Lakers defense to my blame rankings. Um, and that's like full credit to their defense. Um, they defended our screening actions really well. It felt like, you know, um, um, conversely to what we we're just talking about on the other end of the court, we struggled to get any space, any useful space or advantage off screens offensively uh, for us. Also, the Lakers, I went back, I had a look. They definitely were in a 3-2 zone at times. Um, and it, it seemed like I was calling it a soft zone in the playback because they were like quite fluidly switching to man. It was really an unusually sophisticated defense for the Lakers. And I haven't watched a lot of Lakers this year, but just from their reputation, the last couple of years, it felt unusual. So a soft three, two zone Celtics, not doing a good job attacking the gaps of the zone. When they did, they were able to help off of Namias Kata a lot of the time. And so they had a big waiting uh, at the bucket for us. We did get some decent looks on kickouts like Al Horford. Paul Zingas had a corner three-point shot opportunity. Um, of course, we missed all of them. Um, and the Lakers were also, to their credit, doing a really good job rotating out to our shooters as well. So uh, I thought that was a defensive look that we hadn't seen a lot of this year. Um, but still, given how we've strategized against the Heat recently, I was surprised that we weren't able to react to it on the fly. It was pretty disappointing. Yeah, Paul Zingas' decision-making, his... It was just so slow. Like every time he caught the ball, if there was one possession late in the game where there was like six or seven seconds on the shot clock and he had the D'Angelo Russell matchup and we're like, yes, here we go. He gets the ball and like instead of fighting for position, he gets it close to the three-point line and he just makes no move. It's like, dude, the shot clock's running down. It looked like he didn't even have any idea that the shot clock was winding down and ends up having to launch like this step back 30-footer. And it's like, this is just completely speaks to where his head was at from start to finish. And that's like why he wasn't able to impact the game, I don't think. It's like you just didn't have the focus because it's just like how many he's, – he's literally the most efficient – post-up player in the NBA and yeah. it was like early in the game they would, he went to the post-up twice on Jackson Hayes coming in I was like I don't even think we need to like usually we don't go to the post-up when 
he doesn't have a, a non-center on him. But I'm like, in this matchup, Jackson Hayes may as well be a non-center. Like, he's just not that big. And they went to it early twice, uh, and he went one for two. And then we didn't really go back to it, but I like I didn't didn't feel like I was I was screaming at the TV to get the ball to him more often. He just didn't feel like it was there. His turnovers early were a disaster as well, like um, which has kind of honestly been a trend the last two games here uh, with Porzingis and like since the Heat game. I think it's, yeah. you know again. I think going back to like this overall stretch is tough for the, the Celtics. Like they think they're mentally drained. Right now, yeah, I feel mentally drained, and I'm I, sitting dude, here doing nothing. <laughs> absolutely, I also, dude, like it's been relentless this schedule, and and I think they're absolutely feeling it. The only one that I really feel like that came to play today was was Tatum. Oh, and and Pritchard and Hauser. I thought like Pritchard and Hauser legit gave them a shot to win the game, both in the second quarter and late too. Like yeah. they brought them the lead into single digits in the first quarter, and like within striking distance in the fourth, and then they went out and then just shat themselves again. Yeah. Now, look, if you've just joined us, a few people have filed in here, so maybe the Garden yeah. Report is, is wrapped up. Uh, we're doing our blame rankings, yeah, and we started yeah. with the fact that AD and LeBron are out. We started with Jalen Brown's lackluster performance. Wow, we hit on our defense, which was terrible, the Lakers' defense, which was awesome, I hate to say. Um, shout out to everyone in the chat. Jazz off here with the comment. Everything stinks. The passing, the transition <laughs> offense, the offense, whatever that can go wrong went wrong and the Lakers are killing it with threes. Um, you guys joining us here, absolute sickos. We we, yeah, um, we like toot and fro with not even doing this because of how oh, Devo, devastated we were after that loss. Well, um, we, but yeah. oh, it's our fault. Okay, I, you know, it's our fault. Look, we promoted it. So we had to do it, mm-hmm. but like you know what, we I didn't, we weren't considering a loss, you know, uh, Not especially in a thousand years, especially once fucking eighty. Like it's like you think about it, you, the game starts like just don't play like dickheads and gonna win the game. What do they do? Just out the fucking gate, just absolutely awful from the get go, and it's also my fault, you know. I tweet out the schedule. Yeah. That's my bad. <laughs> put that in the blame rankings. That, Jake's I tweeting. You could easily put me at the top here. Um, screenshot of the of the schedule, including the fir- the last two wins against the Pelicans and the Pacers, and then the schedule for the next um, fourteen games. And I'm like, I think we could be looking at a fourteen game winning streak here. And <laughs> that's and that's. That was my Have fault. we learned nothing after last year no, when we really? went to that pub and I was like, we're winning the title this year. Like, you just can't make these wild declarations. It just gets well, us into different. trouble. That's a small little baby. Yeah. You know? Well, a 14 game winning streak is, you know, no easy feat. It's uh, yeah. it's kind of kind of a big deal. Well, you tell you tell me. Lakers with no Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Grizzlies, Hawks, Wizards. Now the Heat. That that was like okay. We could lose that one. Nets, Nets, Bulls. Knicks have new Julius Randle. Joel Embiid is now out, which we're going to get to talk about later. Mavs, Warriors, Cavs, Nuggets. So it was like that's that little stretch, if we would have made it to there, would have been like 12. And it's like the Mavs kind of stink. The Warriors kind of stink. Um, call me a madman. I was no, drinking the Kool-Aid. No. <laughs> um, I'm... I'm, I'm oh. I understand the reasoning behind behind the thinking there and the tweeting it out and the, the confidence. I understand hey. all of that. I've been there. But like you do the dance with the, have a little dalliance with the basketball gods. You mess yeah, with the cosmic not, energy. Not good. Things happen. Things happen. Yeah, uh, so I, don't yeah. try and tell me otherwise, people put me, in the put, chat. Yeah. Hand up. Absolutely. Um, people called me out for it. And I think that's that's totally fair. And I, I'm, I've learned my lesson. I'm going to be, be better. Stop tweeting out Celtic propaganda. Maybe I need to start tweeting out whatever the opposite is, um, something <laughs> hater gander. Like I, I've now, already enough of that. Oh yeah. There's a lot of that going around. Like, I mean, the, the uh, I'm not even going to, I can't mention the refs yet because, um, but man, they're frustrating me. Tatum just could not get a foul call all game. And then Delano Banton comes in the game and gets a fucking foul call. As soon as he mm-hmm. gets on the court, I'm like, okay, cool. Delano Banton has a better whistle than Jason Tatum. Apparently. It's um, <laughs> infuriating. Cause like people want to talk, like, you know, scream at Tatum for not going to the rim all night, but like he did go to the rim a lot. He took 10 threes and he went five for 10. 
and he ends up the game eight for 21. Every time he went to the rim, he, he should have ended this game with 10 assists. I thought mm-hmm. Tatum played a really good decision-making game for the most part. Same. Like they were collapsed. And this is kind of, it's again, this is the cycle of an NBA game. Early, they were lazy and they were taking the quick, and they were, to be fair, there were a lot of open looks that they were missing, but it was not off paint touches. When the Celtics were at their best is when they're collapsing the defense with paint touches, which Tatum was the only one who was doing it really effectively, consistently tonight. But early in the game, they're just taking like, they're creating little advantages, quick quick passes around the perimeter, open shots, not driving closeouts really. And they're just missing. And that allows the Lakers defense to just like play a certain way where now you kind of have to prove it with your made threes. And yep. they're, and as opposed to doing it the other way around. And then they, by the time they started to be like, well, fuck, we can't actually make it enough of these threes to get back in the game. I'm going to start getting downhill. They're collapsing. It's like, well, do you want Tatum just to continue to force these shots up at the rim when he's not getting foul calls? And like, they're just defending the shots at the rim. And so he's not able to get clean looks up. And he kicks it to Horford wide open. He had a beautiful, beautiful kick. Like yeah. drew three, like no look pass, like flip to the corner, right on target, and just brick. It is it, it was it was just I'm this yeah. is not a plain pie. I'm just sad. No, no. I mean, Tatum was like maybe <laughs> the one shining moment from this game. He, he had a few good passes to Sammy Buckets and and Peyton Pritchard as well. It was sort of later in the game where we'd missed you know, enough threes that there was some indecisiveness in the offense. And like there was one where he found Pritchard in the corner and he pump faked and he went to drive and he got cut off and then he pulled the back out. Yeah. And by then, yeah. like the the defense from the Lakers perspective had an opportunity to set. And like, if you just jack that up and, you know, take the shot with the wide open space that Tatum's playmaking affords you, then you're starting to develop a little bit of rhythm with the offense. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm getting into the territory pretending that I'm a coach and I know what I'm talking about. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to back out a little bit here. Um, but yeah, Tatum is great, and we'll circle back on Tatum's <laughs> in a minute. Um, but just to finish the JT Twenty coaching fun. Hey, I, was, I was just reading. I was like, I, you know, I don't, hey, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't do any coaching there. I teach kids swimming. That's uh, maybe go. that's that's as close as we get. But yeah, uh, continue, Ben, as you are. Uh, I reckon you'd be a great great coach. Um, yeah. Okay, so just to continue down the blame rankings very quickly, you yeah, mentioned that you weren't going to take the turnovers before. I'm taking the yeah. turnovers because yeah, they were so bad. Um, maybe the worst of all is the adventurous passing, the speculative passing of Kristaps Porzingis, who, like, just come on, man. Like, th- those looks aren't there. He's, he's trying to, like, bounce pass on when he's popping and... Yeah. Jalen Brown is cutting to the rim. He's trying to find these bounce passes that where there's the passing lanes and not there at all. Like they're so far from being even close to there. And he continues to try and force it. It feels like yeah. he has an internal quota of like how many cookies and cream connections yeah, yeah. they need to have on a given night. And like, we're all aware of that. Like, so of course, NBA scouting teams, defenses are going to be aware that you guys are looking for that as well. Sad dudes banging. Thanks, Landon. Um, yeah, sad dudes banging. Um, so the turnovers, I mean, we had nine in the first quarter. Uh, what do we have for the game? Um, that's, that's 15. Really, it wasn't too bad for the game. It was just the tone early, dude. Like if, if you don't do that, then this... The game is completely different without the turnovers. You could easily mm-hmm. put that at the top of the blame rankings. Yeah. Uh, have you got anything else to add to the blame rankings? Wait, we're getting in the reads here a little bit. But there are a few uh, more things, I think. I mean, like, yeah, we got um, talk about Derek White. Yeah. Ooh, he was can, we, can we bring ourselves to have that conversation? Disparage the great man. Uh, four <laughs> for 11, one for five from three. But again, like, you know, so he has the two turnovers. I think they're both in the first quarter as well. It's just like... That's why, that's why LeBron and AD actually is number one. Uh, like them being out is at number one because actually one, only one of them in the first quarter um, because it, it was just a cascading effect. And I just don't know what you do. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll ask the questions to you that Joe asked of Gary Washburn. Um, do you have kids, Ben? Yeah, I do. <laughs> do, you have a, do, you have a, do you have a wife, Ben? I do. Yeah. Do they well, always- I'm gonna be I'm gonna be so grumpy tonight. I might not tomorrow. But sorry, I, yeah, I yeah. cut you off. I, cu- I currently you currently have yes. wife and kid. Uh, do they always listen to you? Never. Not once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is smart. They shouldn't be listening to it. Yeah, either I don't know us. what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like you know. Maybe we should have, have should have had Derek White's dad give the pregame speech because I saw him tweet out pregame like 
LeBron, AD out. This is exactly like when we play the non-Embiid Sixers and Melton and Patrick Beverly go nuts mm-hmm. and we almost lose that one. It's just insane. Like, it, it happens in the NBA. It's just, it just happens. But, like, maybe we needed Derek Whitestad to be the one that gave the pregame speech because I guarantee you they all talked about it. I guarantee you they all talked about how Chris Tapps even talked about it in the in the presser. Like, we, we had a feeling this might happen. It's just... Well, don't tell me that. I honestly didn't want to know that. Honestly, I wish they didn't talk about it because then I would have felt maybe slightly better because I don't know. How do you <laughs> like, prevent this? For them gotta, to still be aware of it and for yeah, it to still... That's yeah, I guess worse. The, I, don't know, I don't know the um, the science behind it, but it's yeah. like a lack of a mind-body connection, right? Like, you know, you know the new circumstances, you know that you need to adjust your mindset and your approach and yet, like, you just can't, like... F- adjust your subconscious to, uh, to change your approach. I have an idea. So you're, we're in the wild. I'm out here in Tasmania. And like, if I, if I come across a patty melon, which for everybody listening or watching right now, I don't know what that is either. Yeah. Which I learned about moving to Tasmania. It's, 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 it's a tiny, it's a tiny kangaroo or a tiny wallaby. Like it's even smaller, slightly denser. And they, yeah, just roadkill everywhere. Um, and they're the cutest little things. And so, in my backyard, if I run into a paddy melon, and I know in theory it could bite me and give me some kind of disease, I'm like, yeah, sure. But, like, it's a cute little thing that's terrified of me. And I'm going to win that <laughs> battle nine times out of ten. But, like, I should still be on, on my toes in case it attacks me. Whereas, mm. like, if it's a freaking lion... In the wild, I'm going to just be on my toes. I'm going to be ready to go at any point. You know, like I'm not going to underestimate the threat of a lion or a bear or a shark. But when it comes to, you know, a a slightly less intimidating animal that still in theory could kill me, I'm just I'm just not going to give it the same respect. Yeah, look, we got to clip that, send it straight to the coaching staff in Boston there because, you know, this is the kind of, these are the insights that they need, right? From a a Tasmanian wild man like yourself, Jake. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, You get what I'm saying though? Yeah, I do. I completely understand what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that it uh, it adjusts perfectly to the situation uh, earlier tonight against the Lakers as well. So, I I guess in this situation... Austin Reeves is a patty melon and mm-hmm. LeBron James is like an apex predator, which yeah. I think is very accurate, dude. Yeah. Great analogy. Genuinely. Uh, very Jesus. fitting. Blame rankings. Uh, yeah. I said we were in the, the reads here and we, we truly are. Um, you mentioned the transition defense, didn't you? So I'll, Oh, my fuck. I'll, God. So I'll say coaching, which oh. I am not one to do normally. I love Joe Mazzola. I love Sam Cassell. I love Charles Lee and, uh, and everyone on the back bench there whose names I do not know. But I did think that we did not get the ball to Kristaps Porzingis in enough advantageous positions. He mentioned at the end of the indie game that his ankle was still not 100%. So I wonder if, um, similar to a minutes restriction, if there was a cap on like how many times do we just throw it down to the big fella? I don't think that's an unreasonable assumption because uh, the Lakers, honestly, they, they switched that coverage pretty sparingly. And it was Jackson Hayes on KP. For the most part, we didn't get that mismatch like we got against Indy uh, so many times. We didn't find that uh, so many times against the Lakers. Uh, that said, you know, he should be able to cook Jackson Hayes, a healthy KP, you know, nine times out of 10 every game. And they just didn't go to that look. And we just recorded before we went live here, Jake, we recorded like the raw footage for our underrated plays series, which uh, mm. should come out tomorrow sometime. And we highlighted an out of timeout play against Indy where like we needed a bucket. We went straight to the big fella, low post, easy money every time. And there were so many junctures within this game where we just needed a bucket where like, you know, that lead sat at 10 to 15 points so many times, got it down to single digits a few times, but we just couldn't quite get it beyond that point. And like, that's when you go to the big man. That's when you go for that sure thing. And we just didn't see that enough. And I know KP got benched a few times because he wasn't playing with his usual tenacity, but like, that's what you're fucking there for, mate. Like easy buckets. And we just didn't go to it. And to some degree, I blame the coaching on that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Should have been more of a focus. Um, Yeah. As I said, you can post up every single person that played on the Lakers tonight from Jackson Hayes to 
Like who? Like they didn't even have a backup big man. It was like Rui Hachimura. And it's yeah. like, how many times have we seen Porzingis shoot over the top of like Jimmy Butler? Like you name it, the the six to seven, six foot eight, six foot nine wings, and we sit back and we be like, man, isn't it nice to have this seven foot three dude who can just shoot over the top of six foot nine humans and like kiss it off the glass? He had a nice like little mid ranger which he you know fade away. Uh, yeah, absolutely should have been more of a focus. I wonder, yeah. Health-wise, he did indicate, like, it's nice that we have a couple of days off here. We have tomorrow. What day is it? It's Friday our time, right? So, we don't play again until- Thursday night in the yeah, States. So we, so, we don't play again until Sunday in the yep. States, right? So, they actually have two days off here, which I think is going to be very welcome. Um, and against the Grizzlies, man, like, they they play hard. Like, they they just beat the Heat uh, the other day. Like, they 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 bring it and- if you don't, if you if you don't respect the the Grizzlies, this will happen again. Mm-hmm. So hopefully they come out with the requisite effort. But yeah, like absolutely, coaching is fair tonight. On top of that, coaching, like I don't hate playing Kater. Like I get, you probably need to play Kater some minutes tonight when uh, Cornet's out. But why double bigs with Kater and Horford or Kater and Pate and KP? Why are we like Joe is obsessed with like leaning big? And I don't, like, I don't hate it in theory, but there's been so many time, like times this season, uh, the Thunder game in particular comes to mind. We try and go double big against a team that's just like so quick, and it's like we have awesome small ball options here. Like it's not like I don't know if in his mind it's like we want to play our way, we we want to dictate the style or try and take advantage of the way they're playing. Where it's like. Whatever they're trying to do, we can do better than them. You want to try and go small ball with Rui Hachimura at the five? Sure, let's go Jason Tatum at the five or O'Shea Brissett at the five. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's, it's Jalen, Jason, Drew, Derek, like, or Hauser or Pritchard, all these guys with skill, speed, shooting, and passing. Let's try that way as opposed to whatever's happening right now, like lean into athleticism. Um, especially like with some of the bench guys, like get a, get a small lineup with O'Shea, Hauser, Pritchard, Tatum, because that actually worked a little bit. Tatum and the Whites were cooking there a uh, couple of moments tonight. Um, get Tatum, Pritchard, Hauser, Brissett, and then give me Derek, like because Drew, poor, uh, definitely higher on the on the blame pie than than Derek, uh, even though he wouldn't have a, have a super clean game either. Like I want to see that lineup on a, in a night like that, even with Jackson Hayes out there. Like we couldn't, we couldn't fucking rebound with it. Like it felt like with the bigs out there either. Yeah, yeah, and that you have to imagine is the reasoning from Joe's perspective to go double big is just to try and tidy up this whole second chance points um, situation and just try and vacuum up more rebounds. But it's it's not working. And sometimes, like more than just having a big fella to go up and get the board, it's having someone with the athleticism to like body up a defender and box someone out and allow the rebound to come down to to one of our guys. So it's not always double bigs that is solution is the solution rather. But um, yes. Anything else that you'd add to the to the blame rankings before we move on to some more, more audience friendly stuff? More audience friendly stuff. No, <laughs> I mean, I think like we pretty much covered it. Like, I think Al didn't have a super perfect game, but uh, he still hit two threes. I thought he at least was a t- like pretty solid on the boards relatively. Uh, yeah, I don't actually have like he was not anywhere near the top of the list for me. And Tatum actually, and like, I thought played pr- like pretty well. Uh, I thought he sh- the rest were awful for for Tatum tonight. He should have gotten to the line like eight times, and he didn't. And he had a really clean passing game with the Lakers collapsing. Guys just weren't hitting shots off those passes. But yeah, we can we can definitely move on to some more positive stuff here. Well, we've got some post game talk from Jason Tatum. Let's just get to that very quickly. I mean, like you said we got a couple of days of practice and and look over things that we can do better. Uh, Today, Thursday, it's just, just a bad week at work. You know, everybody here got a job. Uh, you know, nobody has great days every day. And, you know, us, we're no different. This is our job. Um, we would love to be perfect. We would love to win every game and make every shot. But uh, it's just not the case. But, you know, we got to be better and look ourselves in the mirror. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah. I want to know, like, what do people want from from these guys? Like, what do you like? When I watch that, I'm like, did I, he's clearly upset that they lost, but he's also like, it's not the end of the world. We have another game. We got practices. We've been really good. Like, do you like? I feel like people want him to be like, like devastated. Like he lost the finals after every game or something. 
I think he's really good at nullifying uh, journalists trying to build certain narratives off short-term sample sizes. He's really good at shutting that down and, and moving on. Um, and secondly, great jacket. I got to call out. That is, a, oh, that is a fine jacket, which I could never pull off. But a uh, looks, guy in a good-looking jacket. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's the mentality that I think he has developed. Because uh, he, he's a veteran. He's a 25-year-old vet in the league. And he's seen enough uh, success and, like, more importantly, enough getting to the line of winning it all and then not quite making it to understand, um, you know, the, the hills and valleys of a regular season. And he's just so quick to acknowledge that in his post game and really after a loss like this and where like these emotional fans and we're just like, what's going on? What's going on? Is it, is it the team? Is it an individual? Is it the coaching? And then for JT to come at that and just like calm everyone down, including the media, I think is um, just part of his overall leadership package, which is great. Yeah. I, I not never too high, never too low. Like unlike me and us as fans, like, I go. I get way too high. I'm talking about 14 game winning streaks. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm. I'm actually. I'm pretty good at not getting too low. That's probably. The, that's. I'm better at that part. Um, the, the, it's, it's way too high. The, the, I handle. I handle my come downs quite well. Maybe that's. Mm. That's a, a broader. Just a broader trait that I've always been able to handle. You know, <laughs> congratulations. Whether, whether it's life or whatever, whatever it may be. Uh-huh. Yeah, as Landon, I'm. I'm kind of with you. It's like, whew, take a breath. This this fucking sucks. Uh, I like I like the way that that Tatum handled that. It's like, yeah, dude, we sucked. We're having a bad kind of week. We're still finding ways to kind of scrape out wins here, and the NBA has thrown just this hellish stretch at us. And I'm playing 35, 40 minutes a night. I don't. I have not missed it. I missed one game, I think, in this month. And mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah, dude, I'm on pace to play 72 games and be one of the best two way players in the league. I tried tonight. I didn't throw blame to anybody. He said we sucked. He did. We did. He, 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 Tatum needs a nap and we need a nap. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, look, the, the energy is lower as a result of a game like that. But I think in general, it's just that part of the season. And especially when the expectation is like, just win the fucking thing, right? Like, it's almost like, see you in the playoffs, especially with how the season has gone so far. There's almost no remaining questions. Nights like these, unfortunately, some questions do arc up along the lines of like, can, can we get it done when we need to get it done? But really, that's just because of like, that's kind of all we've got. It's such a reactionary league and there's so many games every day or two or three that you've constantly got a new piece of data to react to but like ultimately we know how good this team is we've that we've been shown how good they are and so to some degree it's just like wake me up when it's the playoffs right there's you have to imagine that feeling is permeating throughout the team also yeah what what i think is fair to want is another dominant stretch like we've definitely obviously we've had that throughout this season um it's definitely been slightly it's been inconsistent in this month but like there's a reason for that it's because the schedule has been outrageous and you can call that an excuse all you want yeah it's an excuse there are reasons to why things happen in this world and the bucks for example have had the easiest schedule in in the nba and like once we have a bit more of breathing room. I, what I want personally is to come out of the all-star break and go on a, on a run and feel like people like they're locked in for like a good stretch because they're mm-hmm. not going to have that excuse. Um, it's a little bit frustrating because like we're getting, we're getting really close to just completely wrapping up the one seed and like yeah. a, a win like tonight would have like pushed us a little bit closer to that. And, but yeah, like I think it's absolutely fair that they, that they've been inconsistent lately because I think that they're just dead on their legs. I but I want them after the All Star break to like some like go on a bit of a run and like start to like inspire some some more confidence. And I think it'll beat the Grizzlies and the Hawks. And I'm gonna be just like I'm gonna tweet it in my brain about the next ten game winning streak. But um, you know <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll be back. Yeah, I'll be back soon. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that's a very reasonable ask is to just assert your dominance again. Just put it on display after the All-Star break once we've all been to Cabo or Cancun or 
probably unknown exotic locations that you yeah. know we're not we'll never be rich enough to to understand or comprehend. Uh, Porzingis, some of these post game quotes are starting to come in. Porzingis said um, in his locker room interview, fans are going to think it's the end of the world uh, that we lost to the Lakers without AD and LeBron. It's just a loss which we have to learn from, uh, which we will now and move on. Uh, which is very fitting and very calming and comforting. Thanks, KP. I will say we, just, we talked about Tatum very briefly. Um, like he did try and reignite this team a number of times. People yeah. who were in the arena were tweeting out that he was like super fired up on the bench. Also, third quarter, kind of had a first to the floor moment, yeah, which I was saying dude. we'll clip and put in our intro, which we can never do now because it'll invoke memories of this game. I know, such a loss. That might be the worst part of this loss. But uh, diving on the floor... Forcing the jump ball, not typical of Tatum to to assert himself in that way, and yet he was doing everything he could, bringing a bit of that Marcus Smart energy to, to try and um, turn the game around. But alas, uh, it just it wasn't going to happen tonight, unfortunately. Yeah, dude, we just needed like one of a couple of things to change. Like we needed either them to stop hitting every single shot, or we needed like the rest to help us out a little bit because because our players weren't helping. It was like, we, we needed like just one of those two things that were kind of outside of our control to swing the other way. And Tatum was doing enough to kind of bring us back into it. But uh, he wasn't quite able to, but uh, he, but he's been doing this now for, a, for a week. Like, Clippers game, he was really fucking good and the rest of the team shat the bed and he kept them attached, but it just wasn't quite enough and then they got blown off the court. Against the Pelicans, he was awesome again in that game and he held, kept them attached to where the lead only got to 17, which was just enough for them to stabilize and come back and win. Mm-hmm. And again, like he was he was he was doing enough, whereas like if two of of Derek Drew, KP, or one of them, or Jay, two of Derek, uh, Jalen, Drew, or KP, two of the four just like woke up and played like they're capable of. This game flips the other way, but zero of the four flipped. So, yeah, (laughs) absolute disaster. You're just not going to win that many games when like zero, like one of your top five players plays well. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It just wasn't going to happen tonight. And I think in hindsight, you can like look back at the game and, and you can get that sense. But yeah. during during the game and the playback, we were like, surely we're just a run away because yeah. we were at that at that distance all so game. So many times. Um, and the run just never never really came. <laughs> we cut <laughs> it down to six at one point, but then it, it was never... quickly back up to 12. God. All right, we gotta we gotta just dust our hands, yeah, um, move on. throw that one in the scrap bin, and move on. It never happened, Jake. There has been some news around the league today, so let's wrap up on this and let's get the hell out of here. Um, what do you want to start with? Jalen Brown, second time All Star, yeah, third time All Star, yeah, and then Derek White, no time All Star. Derek White, no time All Star. Chris Tapps, no time All Star, but still potential with Randall Embiid and honestly maybe Halliburton missing the game. So there'll be uh, there'll be minimum two slots available. My guess is we get one more Celtic. My prediction would be Derek and not Porzingis based on games played, just because of how much of a focus the NBA started to p- put on availability. So mm-hmm. like they, they might lean on rewarding someone like Derek, who I think's missed two games, maybe three. So uh yeah, that would be my lean on that one. But I don't know who, who would you lean if they, if a Celtic gets a gets a nod. Who do you think it would be? Definitely Derek White, and I think the the media machine, as much as we despise the JJ Redick podcast on this show, ha- has done enough work yeah. to keep his name at the forefront of people's minds. And I, you know, obviously biased Celtics fan, but I do think that there uh, is a nice sort of narrative aspect of, of Derek White from where he came from, how he came to be an NBA player, didn't have the traditional route to the pros. You know, I think that's a really nice story, which the NBA loves and they can yeah. do their clip on YouTube with a lot of slow motion video it's and the piano music and all that stuff, which I will literally cry human tears while I watch. Um, <laughs> but I feel like that we're on the, on the cusp of that happening, Jake. So I feel like Derek White is much more likely. Yeah, and you, I mean, you love this comment here from Efrain Ramos, our oh, yeah. late night uh, regular here. Yeah, this is a terrible omen to let fucking Chris Apps play in the All-Star game. Do not let them. Remember Kemba playing in the All-Star game? And like Nick Nurse played him an extra few minutes and we'll never know if that actually was the reason that Kemba's knee turned to dust, but it very much <laughs> coincided with it turning to dust. So, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely do not let Chris Apps play in the All-Star game. That would be a freaking disaster. Um, but yeah, then I guess the other piece of this, Jason Tatum, five-time All-Star, 
pretty fucking cool. And he's gonna he's gonna be first team All NBA probably just mm-hmm. because Embiid's not gonna make it for uh, the like the game cutoff, and probably some other guys won't make it. Minimum, he'll be second team All NBA. So that'll be like five time All Star, three or four time All NBA or whatever, and then Jalen Brown, three time All Star. He honestly is going to have a shot to make All NBA as well because he'll make the sixty five game limit as uh, as well. Yep, good point. Thank you, Danny Ainge. Zooming out, dude. <laughs> we've got a twenty five year old five time All Star and a twenty seven year old three time All Star. Who I love that Jalen is getting this all-star nod in a year where he scaled down his scoring and has clearly sacrificed what kind of got him to where he got last year in all NBA. The reason he got $300 million contract was because he was one of the league's most exceptional scorers. And what did he do this year? He's put so much of his energy into playing the best defense of his career and made a playmaking leap that a lot of people did not think was possible, myself Mm -hmm. included. So I, I love that he's gotten the all-star nod f- for the play of this specific season. Yeah, and seven assists tonight in this lackluster game that he got hey. benched uh, amidst. So, uh, the, you know, the playmaking chops are still there. Seven assists, eight boards, actually. Like, triple-double watch <laughs> sneakily for Jalen oh Brown in this one. Eight, eight, seven, and eight. Are you kidding me? Similar um, to the Rockets game where he had them played like shit and got the triple-double in that one. Yes. Yeah, it seems the only way he can get a triple-double is to play like ass. Uh, <laughs> all right. Joel Embiid and, uh, you know, we need to say right off the top here, like we absolutely wish him all of the best health and as much as we openly hate the Sixers and we've got the Schadenfreude report and all of that, like we obviously do not yeah, wish not injuries on, on anybody at all. Okay, so this is not what that's about, but it's news because they're like maybe our closest rival in the East, if not one of the closest. Joel Embiid had some tough luck with the knee in his career and was looking a little hobbled in the last few games. Comes out against the Warriors. He's hobbled on one knee and then reportedly he's injured the other knee. He's down on the ground. Jonathan Kaminga falls on his leg and now they're reporting a meniscus injury. And that's about as specific as they're getting. They're not declaring um, the extent of that injury, whether or not it's a tear or an irritation um, and whether or not he needs surgery and what his timeline might be and all of that, just that he'll be out for this weekend. But it's news because they were nipping at our heels uh, in the seedings there for a little while. We may see them in the first or the second or the third round of the playoffs, Jake. Um, so yeah. it's big news. Yeah, it's massive news. It it's also still leaves so many questions. I mean, I, I honestly feel for for Sixers fans too. Like, uh, like I, I I love to watch the right Ricky Sanchez and uh, the You Know Ball podcast as like some Schadenfreude when things are going badly. But like, they do a great job and like Embiid, they like they just the sentiment is like they feel for Embiid, right? Like he has had so many injuries, he can't get it right. And honestly, you just have to point the finger at the Sixers organization, like how they let him play in that Warriors game is such a disaster. Mm-hmm. Like he, the fact that he, they, they, that, that's bad. The fact they let him finish that game is even worse. Like the fact they let him come out at halftime after the way he looked in the first half is like just complete negligence. And like people should be fired because this injury now to Embiid, like, to, again, now we're gonna. We're not sure exactly because this meniscus things. There's a variety of ways it can go, mm-hmm. but like starting there, that's a that's a disaster and like a a black mark on everybody in that organization. Doesn't matter if Embiid is typically in control of whether or not he plays or not, and he probably deserves some blame as well. But at some point, someone, Daryl Morey, Nick Nurse, Maxi, someone has to be like, they have to come together, intervention, and like, dude, you're not playing in the second half. Yeah. Like, why? What's the point? You can't move. Like, this is not okay. Yeah. And add to that how messy the online discourse has been. Yeah. Like, after he, you know, pulled out of the Nuggets game and subsequently it appears that he did so for very good reason. Was there um, an element of, I don't know, him being coerced by the the national narrative, the fan narrative, the media narrative yeah. into, into playing in this game? Uh, but, you know, at the same, at the same time, he's a professional if yeah. nothing else, he needs to know to rise above that sort of stuff. Maybe get off social media, um, block his ears, whatever he needs to do um, to make the right decisions for his health because he has achieved everything really from an individual standpoint. He's all NBA. He's been MVP. Everything 
other than getting out of the second round of the fucking playoffs, man. So you'd think the one thing you prioritize is just, I got to be healthy. I have to be healthy when I get to the playoffs. We've got a new coach. He's a tactician. He's a strategist. James Harden's gone. I've got a really good two-man dynamic going with Tyrese Maxey. All the pieces are falling into place. And by the way, the team I play for has really good trade chips and the deadline is just around the corner. But you know, my knee's not feeling great. I'm going to go out and play anyway because... You know, if someone says that I need to or I feel like I need to or whatever it may be. So, it's a sad situation. It's yeah. pretty typical of the Sixers to find themselves That's in these the positions. Thing. Whether it be Embiid related or not, they seem to be cursed um, to some degree in that sense of just like mismanaging things Everything. at a broad level. So, yeah. you know, it's a weird situation because I hate them so much and yet I kind of yeah, feel bad for everyone involved. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird spot because, yeah, I hate them a lot. And, yeah, but it's just not this way. Like, it's more fun when they're just flaming out and, like, Brian yeah. Colangelo's doing weird burner stuff like that. Yeah, that's popping then, his like, huge collar. <laughs> yeah, and James Harden's, like, threatening to be fat and calling Jarrell Murray a liar. Like, that's the good stuff. That's the <laughs> yeah. stuff that gets me up in the morning. Yes, uh, this, absolutely. This, this stuff isn't so fun. But, like, when it comes to the meniscus now, we don't really know we're going to get um, more news. Like, it could be four to six weeks with, like, the trim that Rob Williams had. But if you remember, Rob Rob Williams came back from that. And in that playoff run, he was in and out of the lineup. Like, I've got just visions burned into my brain of Rob hobbling up and down the court in the Warriors game. But, like, also impacting the game at an incredibly high level. And then, so, like... You've got that option, and then you've got the option where Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. comes to mind, and he missed. Well, and that's like the full. Uh, Are you back? Uh, full thing. Oh no! Uh, okay, we caught most of it. We caught most of it. You just froze at the end there. Yeah. Goddamn internode. Yeah. Terrible internet provider. Damn you, it's an Tasmanian internet. Uh, yeah. Look, it's it's a it's a messy situation, but. Um, you know, best of luck to, I can't believe I'm saying it, to the Sixers, but um, more specifically like Joel Embiid and, and the health situation there because you never want to see that. Just for the quality of the league, like to be missing one of the top, I don't know, three players uh, is a real detriment to just the overall quality of basketball we get to watch on a day-to-day basis. And you want to you want to beat them. You know, you want to yeah. beat the... Uh, I'm getting distracted here by the chat because there's a lot of love going on in the chat here. We've got Landon like, dapping up everyone. Everyone dapping up Landon. It's good to see. While, while you're here, folks, I guess this is the part of the show, Jake, before we wrap up, who appears to be frozen again, where we ask you to like the stream and subscribe and do all that stuff if you can. Um, smaller crowd here, given what happened tonight against the Lakers. Jake's back. Um, so, you know, while you're here, like that stream. Help us put the show in front of more people. Obviously, liking this stream helps us with the algorithm and all of that. And if you're here for the first time, hello, please subscribe to the channel. Hi. It'd be much appreciated. Hi. <laughs> the Celtics don't suck. Yeah, um, yeah, do. We're, we're gonna we're gonna have a great time. Things are gonna be better. Uh, we can. I think we can move on from that one. I, I have one more thing. I actually had three more things on my list, but I can't talk about okay. two of them because they um, are jinx related. And I need to just <laughs> okay. delete them from my from my sheet here because the basketball gods demand it. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll never know what that was, so can't curse us. <laughs> I'll ask you um, later. <laughs> trade trade deadline. We're less than a week away. Uh, firstly, we'll be doing a stream uh, at the deadline. I believe it'll be seven a.m. our time, Ben. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so we'll, we'll get going at I guess six a.m. our time, just so it's that we're like that. you know there yeah. for all the announcements heading up to the deadline. Yeah, so that'll be good. And, you know, there's not a lot of buzz really at the the moment around anyone in particular. Um, Some of the Nets guys like Royce O'Neal and um, Cam Johnson and Dorian Finney-Smith, but Celtics in particular had that Jay Sean Tate report, uh, which I'm okay with the... I'm okay with Jay Sean Tate. He's kind of just like the guard version of O'Shea Brissett. I think he's a lot better than O'Shea Brissett, a little bit more skilled, um, but... Like not really moving the needle, in my opinion. A guy that popped up on the timeline today. I get your I get your thoughts here. Dario Saric. He makes two million dollars. People are always talking about um, another big man shooting forty percent from three over the past couple of seasons. Thirty seven percent for his career. So I can legitimately shoot it over a long sample size here. Thoughts. Yeah, well, compared to Jay Sean Tate, who makes 6.5 mil and therefore can't be acquired with the TPE and you'd be stacking multiple bench pieces to be able to make the salaries work and acquire, someone like Dario Saric, he just makes 
so much more sense. And yeah, like a big fella can grab a few boards, good basketball acumen, like sets good screens, like plays a good game, high IQ. Yep. Uh, he knocked down a bunch of threes against us the last time we played the, yep. the Warriors. I don't know what his um, career or season averages are, but he can hoop. Dude. Okay, there you go. Yeah, he can hoop. And really, if we're not having to give up much to... I mean, we've got an open roster spot still. We we do have, I think, a bit of an obvious skill set gap on our bench where we, I think we'd like to, maybe not for the playoffs, in fact, definitely not for the playoffs, but for the rest of the regular season, we'd probably like to go one person deeper in our rotation. Sarish is affordable. You know, let's be honest, not a huge needle mover, but probably useful in the regular season. And I think as far as maintaining our main guy's health for the rest of the regular season, like that might be worthwhile in itself. That said, $2 million in salary, you're paying a you know, fuckload of tax just to get that guy in, so it better be worth it. Yeah, I, I, I don't even care about the tax. It's only the $2 million. <laughs> um, like You just got to make moves. And I think that like if KP has to miss a game or two, oh, speaking of, there you go, Um you guys concerned about KP longevity wise? Like, not really. Yes. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm like short answer is yes. I think a little bit, but he we've got a pretty good sample size over the last couple of years now. He's talked a lot about how he's changed his routine and his body. Like the injuries he's had this year have just kind of been like a couple of ankle rolls. He had calf tightness for a week. Pretty standard stuff. And they're doing a really good job of being careful with him as well. So, like, if I'm, like, 2% or 1% concerned about Jason Tatum and Al Horford getting injured, I guess I'm, like, third, like 20, high, mid to high 20% concerned about Porzingis. But that's like just the reality of, like, the NBA. Um, but Dario Saric and um, our uh, actual ball knower in uh, the chat here, Eric Weiss, um, Darius Arch would definitely, definitely be in the playoff rotation. He's legit, man. Like, he's played in playoff games before. Uh, really, as he said, really skilled. I think he'd be like an excellent, excellent addition. The question is for how much do you have to pay to get him? Like, in theory, not that much. The Warriors are the 12th seed as it sits today. Like, the trade deadline's a week away, as I said. It's like they've got, they, they kind of have the answers they need. Like this team does not have it. I know Draymond's missed a bunch of the season, but it's like, how much are you willing to pay for Dario Saric? We're going to have probably the 30th pick in the draft, technically a first round pick. Would you trade that pick for Dario Saric? I would, I would do whatever it takes to ensure the best shot at a championship this year. So, yeah. I, w- I mean, you know. Uh, within reason, like I'm not trading like multiple firsts or anything like that. No. But, uh, you know, uh, if if what you say is true and if what our ball knower friend in the chat, Eric Weiss, says is true, then uh, I'm on board. Yeah. I'm, I'm, in, I'm an easy pull. I'm easily convinced. Um, I, I, I would definitely put him above someone like Danilo Gallinari, who I know. Oh, come on. You know, I know you're, uh, you know, you're, um, <laughs> you're waving his flag at the moment. You're flying his flag. But he is playing on like a nothing team, which like the, the buckets have to default to somebody in this case. And I don't think that he'll have that much of an impact on, on the season, at least not as much as, as Super Dario there. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder maybe uh, like Dario could even be like a long-term option potentially. Like you, you re-sign him in like the the 4 million range. The problem is he'd play well in big games for the Celtics and then mm-hmm. he'd get signed away. But if that's what happens, that's a, that's a good problem to have. So it's still, yeah. still worth Just giving up. Win the title. Do whatever it takes. We're, we're right there. You know, if you have to make a couple extra signings, you have to pay a boatload of tax. Yeah. Please do it. Uh, uh, and yeah, yeah, super super Dario memes would be amazing. I'm sure. I, I will say though, like I'm still I'm still in on Gallo. Like if you aren't able to get Sarich, like I definitely would have Sarich above Gallo. But like, and I know I'm waving the flag right now, and it's like partly <laughs> tongue in cheek. Like I'm like I'm not really super in or out. But I will say like. He is like if you want Christos Porzingis insurance. Firstly, it's incredibly hard to find that. Dario Saric, I think, provides a little bit of that, and Gallinari provides a little bit of that too on offense. Like last night against the Pistons, twenty points, six for eight from the field, four for four from three. Since getting to Detroit, he's shooting hundred percent from the three point line. Mm-hmm. Granted, that's over hundred percent. How many attempts? That's less than ten attempts. Uh, it's still, it's pretty good. That's it's really, dude. Like this, like you talk about orange ball going in. This guy is like he's going to be able to do that until he dies. Like that, that mm-hmm. he's six foot ten. He can still post up smaller dudes. He can hit you on cuts. Like he's just a super high IQ guy. And 
gets he's like absolutely budget Chris Taps. Gets himself to the free throw line. He's a great grifter. Now defense. Question he tall. He's tall. That's all I got for you, really. But like, that's all there is. There's nothing else. <laughs> but, but like he, that like that's why he'd be a buyout guy. And yeah. the rules are weird because I know we traded him, but he's been traded a second time. I think we can sign him as a buyout guy because he's under yeah. the mid-level exception. Someone pushed back on me to, at on Twitter today, but I think we can. Um, yeah, Sarich is basically discount Kel- uh, Kelly Olynyk, as I know someone in the chat said that earlier. So um, that's just a name I'm floating out there as we get a week away. As we get closer. Interesting. I can't wait. I can't wait for that live stream. It's always like, uh, you know, I have to set an alarm for 5.30 a.m., but I don't yeah. really need to because I've kind of been awake oh, yeah, all yeah. night just like scrolling Twitter and looking for woke bombs and sham whales. So, that's going to be lots of fun. <laughs> and uh, Brad Stevens, you know, we've got to fill that 15th roster spot. So, if we don't see fireworks, relatively speaking, at the deadline, we're probably going to see some buyout news um, in, in yeah. the ensuing week or so. So, it's going to be fun. Um, I mentioned we'd end on... Helping you understand why the good vibes, the good Celtics vibes are going to be coming, <laughs> rocketing back into your life um, within a few short days. And that is because Marcus Smart is going to be back oh. in TD Garden in a couple of days time. We're going to be live on the Celtics blog playback room, playback.tv slash Celtics blog. Marcus Smart sort of tucked away on the bench there. He can't hurt us. He can't use his energy, his Cobra strikes against us, but he will be there. There's going to be lots of hugs. Oh, There's going to be lots of tears, I would imagine. And, uh, you know, we'll probably win as well, to be honest. We're not oh, going to lose I... two in a row in TD Garden against under 500 teams. Please Surely right. not. Surely not, dude. Jesse's in the chat. going to be there. Nice. Um, we're going to have to get some, yeah, get the, get the updates. Get, get you live in the playback room maybe uh, at the halftime. But I wish Marcus was playing because if Marcus was playing, then I would almost feel more confident that we're going to win this game. <laughs> I I almost can, can guarantee you that freaking Jalen and Jason have no idea who Gigi Jackson and Vince William are. Oh, they're not paying attention to that shit, I don't think. So, like, I'm a little concerned. Mm-hmm. My, my, my only, like, hope is that, like, the Grizzlies were actually quite injured when we played them in – the first matchup in Memphis. I'm pretty sure Marcus missed that game too, right? And yeah, so, he did. so like, and they almost lost, if not for like a Chris Taz, like block at the buzzer. So, mm-hmm. hopefully, and then coming off the back of a loss, two days rest at home. God damn it. I'm going to have to. Bet on the Grizzlies, aren't I? Damn it. Yeah. But somewhere out there, some Celtics content creator who works for the team is polishing off the Marcus Smart tribute video as we speak, putting the finishing touches on it. You know, everyone's going to, there's not going to be a dry seat in the house, a dry, dry eye in the house. Dry, dry devil. I mean, hope, (laughs) hey, dry, dry seats. I mean, depending on who you're talking about, it could be, it could not be, could not be dry. But I I guess my question to you you is um, how many tribute videos? do you want because we had dame uh going back to to um, the blazers last night and he got two videos he got one really like his on-court stuff and a second one about his off-court like community stuff so mm. do and when do you want them do you want them half time quarter time uh well i'll leave it to you I think first stoppage of the game, especially because he's not on the court, first stoppage, like yeah, even if it's, you know, a timeout one minute into the game because Mazur is frustrated with us coming out lackluster again, you got to go straight to the, the the tribute video and then you sort of cascade down into the community service and he might even be deserving of a third video. I don't know what that would be. Maybe folks in the chat, if you've got any <laughs> ideas, let us know. So I know when, when, it was Pier- when it was Pierce and KG and that's, you know, another tier of, of farewell entirely, they had videos like throughout the game sure they had all kinds of moments i think it when he finally came back around and because of the distance there how long it took for him to finally get his tribute he only had one fairly soft tribute unfortunately smart's gonna get at least two i guess i'd set the over under it i I guess 1.5 is is the number yeah yeah. i'm taking the over i think ah, (laughs) i I think i think it's tough because like they're gonna have to pivot potentially after seeing dame get two i mean Mm -hmm. dame is literally the first or second greatest blazer in franchise history. So like two for the, that type of guy makes sense. Marcus smart. If you're ranking greatest Celtics of all time, like he's probably of our generation, he's probably cracking the top 20, but mm-hmm. like um, of all time he's, you know, and you know, we're, we're, we're on the younger side here. So he's probably going to be higher on, on like on my personal list. He's easily in the top 10. Um, oh yeah. But like, but like, you know, Pierce, top, th- he's the third greatest Celtic, maybe, 
top five? Like, yeah, top four. Pierce, uh, there's a lot of great Celtics. He's top yeah, ten. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I can hear my dad now. I'm like, oh no. I'm like, because <laughs> yeah, gotta have, gotta have Havlicek and in the top five, Cowens, like, and these guys. But just like, obviously, for me, doesn't quite hit the same. But um. Obviously, Bill and Larry have number one and two locked up, but Pierce yeah. has got to be in the top five. Yeah, a lot, a lot of great Joneses have played. For a lot the, of Joneses. For the, a lot of great Joneses. Might be the best yeah. name in, in all of Celtics history, the Joneses. Um, yeah. Keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, look, we should probably probably wrap it up there. I guess yeah. I've got nothing else. We've covered a lot. For us to stay on for one hour yeah. plus after this dog shit performance. But look, it's, yeah, it's therapeutic, it's cathartic, and it's made so much better by folks in the chat. Like, we read all your comments, and it's, it's really, it's fan therapy. I hope it's as good for you guys uh, as it is for us. Any, any parting thoughts or anything before we wrap this one up now i'm i'm going i'm, I'm glad i need the two days off too like yes. it's gonna be good it, <laughs> finally it's, it's, the sun's gonna be out tomorrow get in the ocean let's just cleanse a little bit here um from what like is maybe the worst loss of the season but look i've had fun appreciate all you guys out here so look forward yeah. to the next one yeah let's all go away and think about something else all right this has been celtics late night until next time mm-hmm.